Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Vanessa Martinez, a financial advisor and author. This is such a fun conversation for me because I got to talk shop a little bit with someone who sees firsthand the family and gender role dynamics that come into play around money. These dynamics and the awareness of how we act in a certain fashion fascinate me. And as you'll hear me say in the conversation, is one of the big reasons why I'm on this mission of removing the stigma around money for women. This is a must listen for those who want to break generational behavior patterns and model a different and more intentional relationship with money for the next generation. Okay, so who is Vanessa? Vanessa Martinez is a partner and managing director at The Learner Group, where she guides families through all aspects of their wealth, including asset management, estate coordination, and legacy planning. She dives deep into family dynamics and finds actionable solutions for complex problems. By partnering with families, Vanessa builds meaningful relationships and helps them pass on their legacy. Vanessa is also the co-author of the book, Family Value at Risk. The book details the importance of intentional communication among families, but most notably between the matriarch and patriarch of the family. In our conversation, we talk about the importance of women being involved in the family's finances, how money itself actually isn't scary. It's the stories around it that create the fear. The feelings and dynamics on both sides that come with being the breadwinner in a relationship. Shifting patterns by having more intentional conversations around money. The power of the start, stop, and continue rule. And so much more. You guys can find Vanessa's book anywhere books are sold. And you can learn more about her and the work that she does on the website learner.hightoweradvisors.com. So that's L-E-R-N-E-R dot H-I-G-H-T-O-W-E-R-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S dot com. All right, you guys, here we go. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Very excited about our conversation So I would love to start by having you tell the audience about yourself and your mission in the world. Well, about myself, I am a mother of two daughters. (laughs) I love to interact with my community, with my friends, family. I'm kind of that person that likes to be in everything. So it worked out great because career-wise, I went into finance, so I am a wealth advisor. I have a practice that helps families. And I say families because I believe that the old structure of having wealth management was so male dominated on the advisor side, as well as on the family side, it was always the typical, it was a husband and an advisor, and they made all the financial decisions. And I've tried really hard 
um, and everyone on the team has done so where we have the dynamic, including the, the whole family, obviously starting with husband and wife or whatever the structure might be in the family, but then adding the children. So we like to go up a generation and down a generation just to have that inclusive behavior. So we do that on our side as well. We love to have a male female dynamic on the advisor side, as well as on the other side. And you need it. You absolutely need it. What kind of clients in general are you working with? So you said, are they typically, you know, business owners or I know it's kind of cross-generational, but are you, do you have any niche in particular of the kind of clients that you like to work with? It's mainly more family office clients. So where they have either built their own family legacy and maybe started a business and maybe that's been passed on to the next generation or they're brand new and building it, but we're making sure that we prepare the family for the succession planning going forward. Awesome. It's so interesting when you start working with families rather than just kind of one individual person, you start to see a lot of different dynamics come into play there. I'm curious uh, from your experience, what some of the more common issues or concerns that you, that you see when you bring in a family, you know, your standard couple. And do you find that women tend to be more engaged or less engaged in the relationship? I'm just curious, some of the the insights that you see. I think one of the main concerns from some families, regardless of the dollars that they have, is making sure they're taken care of. And that can mean many things. So I feel as a woman, we as a woman who is an advisor, taking on the listening role is the most important thing I can do because so much is said, but then gets lost if you're just focusing on investments. So we tend to have more of a holistic approach and lean into estate planning, financial planning, because all of that ties together. Mm -hmm. And we repeat it a million times, right? It's not what you make, it's what you keep. So in this transition of making the wealth, keeping the wealth to be able to pass on to the children is where I would truly, truly love for more women to get involved. So exactly what you were saying, we've come a long way, but we truly have to sometimes help include women in conversations. I'm fortunate that the families I have are on the older side, So they tend to have already gone through that phase and they're ready to be involved. And it might be the modern family that this might not be the first marriage. So it's the second marriage, maybe in the first one, they weren't so involved and kind of learned that lesson there that they needed to be a part of the finances. So now they've become that. So that's why I feel it's so important to have podcasts like today that you don't have to wait until you get hurt or run into an obstacle to make that change. You can make that change today. Start becoming a part of your family finances. Well, and start just being interested. And what I mean by that is just curious about your own beliefs and thoughts around money. Just question them sometimes. That's what I'm trying, the awareness that I'm trying to bring out into the world for people you know, cause everybody does it differently and there's no right or wrong. There's no perfect way to do it. But I think that if we start to at least question some of those maybe anxieties or fears that are popping up for, and, and this is geared towards women in particular, and that's the only way we're going to start to heal from it. 
So if we can at least start to acknowledge it, talk more about it, that's such a big thing for me, then that's the, at least a first step on the road to starting to, to heal and process some of this stuff. I couldn't agree more. And I believe it's every single one of our jobs to do so. I, because we talk to multiple generations with the families that we work with, we might be talking to the grandchild. And so that means I'm talking to someone who's between the age of 20 to 35. And they're telling me, you know, I really want to be involved. And that's why I'm starting now. And I always tell them that is great. And I'm here to help. And I'll walk you through that first time you buy your house. I'll make sure you're, you know, contributing to that 401k and investing it and giving you just multiple ideas for your wealth. But I also want to shed that light on you should reach out to your mom or your grandma and ask them questions about how are they getting involved, right? Because sometimes you just need that. Even if you're sitting with your friends, right? We all sit down and have those nice chats with our friends on those Saturday nights that it's just girl night. But what do we talk about? What are the things that are brought up in those conversations? So I believe that Megan, you and I, that we're in the finance field. These are the questions that I do bring up to my friends, right? We can talk about what's going on here and there and great restaurants we've been to and anything you want to share. But I always bring in finance. What are you doing to better your finance? What conversations are you having with your spouse? Not because I want to know their business, because I want to make sure I give them that incentive to keep searching, keep working to learn more. Yeah. And not in a way that is condescending or intimidating or anything either, because I do feel sometimes like as a financial advisor and a professional in the industry that people are like, you know, maybe may get a little nervous talking about finances if for some reason they don't feel comfortable with the decisions that they've made, or they're, you know, insecure about something or, or they're just, they feel like they don't want to share a lot of their personal numbers or financial information. And so to, to, it's fine. It's all about finding this balance of being able to communicate and make sure, Hey, I'm on the same page as you. And that's, again, the whole thing with my whole podcast. Like I want to, I want to make it normal for people to say that I, you know, I go to target to de-stress sometimes, or I make these silly, or I get nervous checking my my checking account, opening up my account balances, or I, you know, I don't know what's in there sometimes, or it just, I want to make it more normal and know that, Hey, I'm on the same level as you. I'm having these same fears and these same anxieties. And let's just talk about it. Like, what is it? Let's dig down a little bit deeper. Were you maybe brought up in a more scarcity environment? I know I was. And so that's why there's certain things that, that I think and do and say around money and, Let's try to question that because maybe these beliefs that we've had for our whole life aren't necessarily the healthiest thing for us going forward. And maybe they are blocking us from really living up to our true potential or, or you know, generating abundance and, and actually having allowing women to come out of their shells and stop staying small and maybe live a life that they actually want with you know, freedom or independence or whatever that is for you. But it's all very personal. And so I think starting to like elicit some of these topics and thoughts and conversations with people is the first key step. I agree. It's exactly what you're saying about the feeling intimidated. That is the first step where if we're all very open about it, the simplest questions can feel 
nice to ask if you don't feel like someone's judging you while you're asking that question. Right, right. That's the important piece. So, and I believe when it comes to finance and money, there's this extra taboo around it, yeah. right? Like one, is that private? I should never talk about that. Or that's too complicated. I don't ever want to talk about that. But these are the important pieces that like health, right? You go to the doctor and you ask the doctor, why is this happening? How is that happening? And you have to give him all those details for him to understand what's going on. Why would you think that your finance is any different? It's exactly the same. Yeah. They have, we have to understand every piece of the puzzle to be able to say, oh, that makes complete sense. Okay, so now if we do a little of this, less of that, way more of this, and be okay with being vulnerable and opening up and asking those questions and finding that right network where you feel comfortable doing that, right? Because it is, it can be a little intimidating, but that's in every topic. You have to think about that. It's, it's always going to be scary to talk about something you don't know. But once you educate yourself more, money isn't scary. Absolutely. It's just the, the stories that you put around it that makes it scary, right? Yep. And I agree with you on that, uh, to your point about opening up to the right people. Sure, there's going to be some people that aren't ready for this. And yeah, so yeah. they come come at it with a with more of an intimidation approach or a competitive approach. But you need to find the safe place, a safe space among people who are in it with you and are willing to kind of hold your hand along this journey and be there for you along the way. So yeah, couldn't agree more. I think we're certainly on the same page in terms of the ha- helping women and empowering women through this process. I would love to switch gears for just a second and talk about being the breadwinner. As you and I have a lot in common, being the breadwinner of families, both being females in a male-dominated industry. And mm-hmm. I really want to talk in, talk a lot about what goes into that? For me, there is lots of layers of feelings that and emotions that come with being the breadwinner and some good, some not so good, some, some beliefs that I'm really fighting and challenging that I've had since I was a child that are, that come up for me every day. And, uh, I'd love to talk, at least have you share your experience around being the breadwinner. And then we can get into some of the specific issues that are coming up here and we can talk through that. I think what's important is to remember that there's two sides. Just as you're having all of those feelings, your spouse is having another set of feelings because of this. Yep. As different as it is to us, that's just as different as it is to them in the sense that the typical uh, story is that the male is the breadwinner and the woman stays home. It's evolved now where the male's still the breadwinner, but the woman also contributes to the financial household, but may not contribute as much may contribute or, you know, may work part-time depending on, you know, family situation, if there's kids or, you know, just may not have as quote unquote, big of a job. Right. Correct. And I feel that's the, that's kind of like a slow trickle of the evolution where we jumped even further down that maybe not everyone's used to yet, which is the opposite. We're the main breadwinners. And they have an important job as well, but it's not the breadwinner or the main breadwinner, let's say. 
So this is where I agree with you that there is different kinds of feelings of, is this, have I, have I, have I gone too far even? Like sometimes you might even feel bad about, about being in that role. Whereas the man was proud to be in that role, right? Was very like, yes, I do it. And I will continue to do so. And I support my family and I, you know, and it's not to say we don't have that, but I feel because it wasn't, it isn't as normal. I think that's what creates that weird sense of emotion of where am I supposed to be right now? But we've talked about it very openly with my husband, which works out great being very open about kind of roles and expectations. And in, I don't, I mean, I'm going to say it out loud in the macho environment that we live in, right? It makes it hard that sometimes outsiders have their certain opinion that gets shared and can hurt both sides, right? Certain people might say things that make me feel bad and certain things that might make him feel bad. So I think if we maintain a very open communication with your spouse, that that helps so much because I've seen what it is between family and friends to have a male breadwinner and a wife that is working, but isn't the main breadwinner and the treatment that's there and the non-sharing of certain um, information or the being told what can and can't be done with the finances. It should be a mutual agreement regardless of who makes the money. And because of that stigma that exists, I try really hard to not fall in that old school mentality that, oh, well, if I make it, then I decide where it goes. That's not how it should be. I should have a joint decision made between if we're redoing our kitchen, if we're buying another car that should be made together. And I want to make sure I don't do that to my family because I've seen the pain that it causes to other families when it's opposite. Yeah, I agree. And I don't even think it should be for the big things. I think it, I think there should, it should be a mutual decision for the everyday expenses, how you manage the money. I think both parties in the relationship should be involved. And this goes back to a cultural thing for us where money equals power, right? So if I'm the one making the money, I therefore I have the say in the relationship. So what this does in your traditional relationships is it keeps women small. And I agree, we need to change this. And there should be a happy medium somewhere because essentially it, it, it makes you feel like almost like you're being shamed for not knowing, for not having that. Like you are, um, like there's, there's almost like levels, right? Like, like the person making the money is the one that has the power and you are kind of the one that's being in a con. I don't mean to say in a condescending way, but yes, that you're being told what to do. Essentially, you, you don't have the autonomy yourself. There's also the mindset around not knowing something or not knowing how to do something. And then when the shame comes in, we push it away even more. So I, I'm not surprised that we see in the traditional relationship, a lot of women doing this. But in our situation, let's flip it around. I mean, I can kind of see to some extent my husband doing this and because I've, I've been, I'm the one that, that's been in the financial industry for 17 years now. And I'm the one that makes the money. And I now, I now manage the finances because it comes to me just naturally. And 
it stresses him out. He doesn't like to do it. I'm just more efficient with it. And I kind of have my system and my way of managing everything. But I think sometimes I do things without even realizing that I'm not including him in the conversations. And I never really thought about how that could potentially create some shame on his end as well. Yes. And that's why I'm saying we always have to remember that there's those two parts because it's exactly what you're saying. We could even find ourselves in that exact situation that you're saying that it's just a day-to-day thing. So you're like, oh, yep, I'm going to do that, that. And you're just like, go with the flow, right? I need to go on to the next task. I need to go on to the next project. So I'm just going with it. But then if we're not involving them, we're we're becoming what, what we don't want to become, what others did in the past. And we don't want to become that. I personally don't want to be that. And this is where having open communication is so important. We have to have those constant conversations with our spouse about what's going on. This is why I believe in planning. Intentional conversations are different than just everyday conversations. So if you come home, your husband comes home today, Megan, and and both of you are sitting down after the kids have been picked up from school and you just start talking. You didn't plan your conversation. You just started talking. Hey, you know what I was talking? I was thinking about our family trip next year. How about we do blah, blah, blah. You didn't plan for your conversation. That means it was not an intentional conversation. It was just a conversation. So where I'd like to shift that, and this is what I talk to the families that we work with about is make a plan to have a conversation because then it's intentional. You put points in your mind of things that you want to make sure get said. Because how many conversations have you had with your husband where in the morning you'll be like, nope, I'm having the conversation today. I'm doing it. I'm doing it today. We got to talk about this. We got to talk about this. 50 million things get in your way. You kind of remember what you want to talk about, but didn't intentionally say, I want to come away with two things and then get them done. You just have a conversation, but then you didn't plan it. And I feel that's the piece that sometimes we're missing. Let's make sure we have a purpose for the conversation. Yeah, I think marriage communication is key in that aspect. And one of the things that I've I've really been trying to do lately is to not just, I, we have, let's face it, I have a five and a three-year-old, so we have very little time to communicate anyway. But yes, I will, I will try to bring something up, but it's always at the most inopportune time. We're juggling dinner, right? Where it's, it's, it happens to be a time that both of us are in the same room at the same time. Yet we've also got the kids. We're trying to make dinner, feed the kids, keep them from screaming at us, that kind of thing. And we can't even think straight. So it's hard to have a conversation. And so you really do have to put the time and the effort into making those intentional conversations. And by the time that we, but at the end of the day may not be that it be that time because we're exhausted. And the last thing that my, and my husband in particular doesn't want to talk about finances at that time of day. I know he's tired. I know he's overwhelmed. And so it's finding also to your point about being intentional, finding the right time that's good for both of you and the right situation that's good for you to start to tackle these conversations. Cause you can just so easily avoid. And, and I think so many people do. So let's try to plan them. Like you said, make it, make it work out for everybody. I know people make fun of me because I say, 
finance can be fun because it can, it truly can. It is. (laughs) And this is where it's hard on our side where we also have to be open to just breathe because in some instances it might be like, well, okay, let's talk about the budget. I'd like to add this piece to it. And maybe off the bat, we're like, oh, that's not going to work. But remember, we have to be open to listen and kind of get gather why they're thinking what they're thinking and what their end goal is. Because if we're going to be quick to shut people down, we're not going to get anywhere either. As frustrating as it could be, we have to kind of take it a piece at a time. That's how we did it with my husband. I remember telling him, hey, I want to. I, I think we, I think we should build a budget <laughs> just because sometimes stuff's all over the place. And I'm like, okay, we need to get this done. So I gave him a few sheets of paper and I was like, look at those sheets of paper. And then slowly the next week I was like, Hey, did you get a chance to look at that paper? Of course the answer is going to be no, I didn't get a chance to look at that paper. That's maybe because I gave too many papers, right? Because I love checklists and I can go through five pages because I do, but we have to think of what is functional for our spouse what what excites them about it right so maybe just take that one sheet and say okay let's cut out this piece and this piece you know all of these are utilities and whatever that is that's easy enough to contemplate for but maybe other pieces so just give them just one sheet and just be like okay just look at these two topics and tell me what you think and then slowly get there because you want it to be a good conversation. The last thing you want is a confrontation to talk about a budget. You don't want that. None of us want that. (laughs) It's the whole thing with like love languages, right? Like you have to know not only yourself, but you can't just all of a sudden, like impart your way of learning and the way that the things that you get excited about, you can't just put that on somebody else. Right. So you have to know them and know who they are, how they learn, how the the things that interest them and approach it in that way. And it kind of becomes like, you can get creative with it. It kind of becomes, I don't want to say a game, but it just becomes something, an interesting way to challenge yourself to approach that conversation in a way that the other person would be more receptive. Agreed. We have a common goal, right? right? As a family, there is a common goal, the well-being of each other and the family and overall growth and legacy, right? That's what we're trying to do as a family. So if we want that to happen, we do just need to take that breather. There's not a competition, right? You're not trying to race with anyone to get with anyone anywhere. Your time isn't my time. It isn't your friend's time down the block. So what that they've already had their budget and they already have a financial plan and they already, who cares? This is about your family. So let's be specific with your family Build out that intentional conversation. You definitely need that budget. And if I were to say step three is having that snapshot in time of what's going on today. So you have the budget, you already know your expenses, right? And you've already decided to have the intentional conversation. Now it's building out what is happening today with us. What, how much do we owe on our house? What's the interest rate on our house? This is information that the couple should know, Mm -hmm. right? It shouldn't be one person's responsibility over another. Now, do I agree with you that if one person likes something more than the other? Of course, I believe that the person who's more passionate about 
any subject that has to do with the house or any task around the house that they're passionate about, they should do it. But that doesn't mean that they should not involve the other person. So it's, it's funny. We are, we are just finishing refinancing our house. And I don't think my husband, I've basically, I've handled it all because this is what I do every day. Right. And so, and I understand it and I'm having all the, the emails back and forth and the conversations and getting all the financial documents and all that stuff together. It's just not my husband's thing. He signed what he's needed to sign, which is great. Cause it's a, it's a co-loan between the two of us, but I still don't think he could actually tell you what our current interest rate is. And that is on me to again, the communication thing, I think I probably communicated it to him at a time when he wasn't in the right mindset to be able to process it and take it on. It's just so interesting how, when you think about it, a reaction I would have had a while ago would have been, well, you don't pay attention to this stuff, but really that's not, and that would have probably caused tension, right. In in the relationship, but it's not that it's that I've been, I was, I was approaching it in a completely the completely wrong time and in the wrong way. And so it's how this is really interesting to help you kind of rethink how you should be talking about this stuff. Because again, it goes back to that. Like I almost am taking it as like taking a more of a, I'm treating him in a more condescending way, or again, having the knowledge of this stuff and also being the one that makes more money is the one that is imparting the power in this situation. Mm-hmm. And so that's really fascinating to kind of be aware of and to at least like my antennas are up now for different situations like that. And I think there's, there's always two sides, right? Everyone should be just as responsible. As long as you take the responsibility of saying, am I being fair in this interaction? You are doing all of the work. So I could just imagine that you're like, let me just get it done. I know where everything is. I'll grab this. I'll grab that. And he already knows that you're going to take care of it. So he's like, why am I going to bother bother you right. and get involved and interrupt a process that I know you can handle? So there you go, hon. Take care of it. And because you're so used to rolling with it and you're like, yep, I got it. Whatever. Deep down inside, you might be like, I wish you would get so involved deep down inside. But externally, you're like, now I got it. Right. So I think sometimes we have both of those feelings where we are, we do want to take control because we know that we can move it along faster and they feel that. So they might, they might take the back seat, but this is what we've talked about. We don't want women in the back seat, but as breadwinners, we don't want to force the men to take the back seat either. Mm-hmm. So this is where we have to truly evaluate. Are we taking the right steps? And if we are, I also don't want you to take the full blame because he should have his responsibility of knowing what the interest rate is too, as long as you are doing it in a nice way, where at the end of the conversation being like, I would really think it's important that you know that now we have a 15 year fix and it's at this rate. It'd be really great for you to know this information instead of being condescending and being like, well, you didn't take any part. You want me to tell you what it is? <laughs> That's not a nice way to do it. No, no. And then again, it just creates more of that like guilt and shame and, yeah. and self-inflicted, you know, low confidence, that kind of thing. And, and I think so many of us have grown up in a world where that was a lot more traditional than it is now. Like it's, it's a very, we, our worlds have changed a lot. Right. And 
growing up in the 80s was a different world where our parents were very much in those traditional gender roles. And I think it's hard to, as I start to be to parent and I start to see the way that my parents handled things, I want to change that. I want to break those patterns. I want to, I used to see them, they would fight about money all the time and they would argue about who, you know, my mom just wasn't, didn't ask the same questions. And I think deep down there really was a lot of this guilt and shame and around it. And I think it's good to be aware of all that, where it where all of this comes from, and then also make sure that we do our part to not continue that cycle. I think your last phrase is the most important because that's what we have control over. We can't control what happened in the past, but we can 100% control what we do now and what we teach our kids. Yeah. Because that's what we want. We want, I always play the start, stop, and continue rule with everything I do in my life. What do I want to start doing that maybe my family never did? So this is a new thing I'd like to start. What do I want to stop doing that I seen in history, either my family or friends that they did? And I'm like, no, I will stop doing this. And there's those wonderful pieces that were passed on, those great traditions that I want to continue to, you know, involve my children in and teach them how to do that. So I always do start, stop, continue. I think we should all add that to something we do in life because that's what makes us evolve. Traditions are great, but sometimes we have to evolve them, right? Our world yeah. changes. Yeah. And it's not just doing things by default because that's that's the way it's always been done. That's the big thing. You know, it's just yeah. questioning and, and challenging that and saying, well, you know, because that, then maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't work for your spouse. Maybe it's, maybe it works for you now, but it doesn't work in the future. And I think it's really important to continue to think about that and challenge that, you know, why we're not just doing things on autopilot, right? For sure. So important. Yeah. Thank you. This is great. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your book? I'd love to have you chat about that. I co-authored a book with my partner, J.R. Gondek, and the title is Family Value at Risk, which is exactly what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. The risk of not being able to pass on that legacy to future generations due to the lack of that intentional conversation. And most importantly, we talked about this earlier that power equals money or money equals power that wealth is not just about money. I am so happy that our society has slightly evolved from that and understands that passing on your morals, your values, those traditions that we talk about are just as important as passing dollars. I understand that money moves the world, but those good morals that you teach your children are what truly move the world to where we want it to be. And we were fortunate that being in the role that we are, um, listening to families and what they did and what they didn't do gives us that picture of sharing those best practices. So in the book, we tell different family stories. We share five stories, from five different families where we talk through what they did 
And believe me, some of the stories are not good, but that's okay because we learn from those mistakes. I think too many people, I mean, we we're learning slowly that failures, you, you learn from those and that makes them so much better because then you're like, okay, I already seen that that doesn't work. So why am I going to keep going down that path? Let's move a little bit to the right and then you can get where you want to be. So in the book, it shares those best practices. Awesome. Awesome. That's so great. As we close, I am going to ask you one last question that I ask all of my guests. If you could leave the audience with one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say that it's okay to be vulnerable and share with your spouse what you're feeling because your feelings might be dependent on, on, on what you're doing in life, right? Your feelings might be of concern, of humility, of power, of whatever those feelings are, share them because if you don't, they will never know. We're always so in tune to be like, oh, Megan gets it. I mean, she sees my facial expression. I'm sure she knows that I didn't like what she just said. Or she understands because every time I come home and I'm like, oh, I'm not hungry. Every time she makes spaghetti and meatballs, guess what? Maybe Megan doesn't know. And maybe I should just tell Megan, hey, I really don't like spaghetti and meatballs. Uh I feel we keep so much inside because we feel it's going to hurt the other person. But what we don't realize is we're hurting ourselves by just keeping it inside every time. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much, Vanessa. This has been wonderful. And I am so excited to, to read the book and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. 